Well, welcome back to another episode of the Primary Care Podcast. It is your boy, Dr. Mark List, uh, coming at you with an episode today. But before we get into the actual content of the episode, we're going to hit up the primarycarepod at gmail.com inbox. That's where you send me jokes, feedback, uh, questions, concerns, things that you want me to talk about on the podcast. Um, today's topic uh, is something that I looked up uh, recently or read recently. Um, but before we do that, we have a, actually a viewer email uh, that I wanted to listen to or a viewer, a listener email that I wanted to remit, or read. Uh, Dr. List, I have a joke for you today. Did you know that T-shirt is actually an abbreviated version of the longer version of the word Tyrannosaurus shirt because of the short arms? <laughs> Love it. All right. Let's start the podcast. The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, welcome back to the podcast, pod girls, pod boys, pod people. It is your boy, Dr. Mark List, coming at you with another episode today of the Primary Care Podcast. I found the introduction disclaimer. I am so happy. Anyways, um, thanks for tuning in today. Today, we're going to go back to bread and butter, uh, primary care stuff, uh, no uh, no practice management stuff, although the feedback to that was really good. We'll have more in the future. I've already got some ideas. But the, the article today is from uh, the Journal of Hypertension, okay, uh, just recently here in July in 2021. And one of the, uh, sorry, September 2021, the title is Comparative First-Line Effectiveness and Safety of ACE Inhibitors and Angiotensin Receptor Blockers, a Multinational Cohort Study. So obviously, ACEs and ARBs are the first-line treatment, right? Um, the 2017 AHA ACC guidelines um, and the 2018 European Cardiology and Hypertension guidelines all say that ACE inhibitors and ARBs are the best, the gold standard, the ultimate treatment of high blood pressure. Okay, so this is not, right, I'm not teaching you guys anything new, right? This is, this is basic bread and butter. But here is why this article got my attention, okay? Number one, hypertension is a big magazine. Number two, this is the one of the few times, and this is not a randomized control trial, this is a cohort study, okay? So looking in real life data, but not in a trial, which we'll talk about. But if you look at all the data, ACEs and ARBs are pretty much equal. If you look at head-to-head, uh, -head, when they do go head-to-head, -head, basically um, the, the data has always been, yeah, ACEs and ARBs are about equal. And that's what I was always taught. And, and, that's, and that's always been true. But this study is really, really interesting um, because of what it shows when we compare kind of the head-to-head -head variety of ACEs versus ARBs because there are very few studies out there. So when we look at these multinational cohort, this, this multinational cohort study, right, they looked at open observational data through this uh, GitHub network, whatever. And so basically uh, there was multiple countries that were involved in this. So there's uh, South Korea is involved, Colombia is involved in it. Um, there's a bunch of data sources, um, IBM market stand commercial claims and counters. Basically they, they, they data mined all these different multinational um, databases, okay? Including Medicaid, including uh, uh, Germans. Uh, there's a South Korean data in here. There's 
University of Irving Medical Center that's in Dallas. Um, there's, uh, or sorry, Columbia University. It wasn't the country of Columbia. It was actually Columbia University uh, Irving Medical Center. Interesting. Okay, I was completely wrong on that. Um, Optum, which is a you know a insurer or a pharmacy group. Optum, a de-identified electronic health record data set. So basically, they took it a bunch of kind of big, big data sets. Okay, and what they did was they looked at all new users on an ACE or an ARB, okay? So they had to have, they had to be in the data set and then um, had to have a new onset of an ACE or an ARB in this. And then they basically followed them from July 1996 to March 2018, okay? So a, a long time that they followed them and they looked for all the kind of like what happened down the line, right? So if they started an ACE or if they started an ARB, what happened? And they, they looked at a, a wide variety of things. So the primary outcomes were basically the big stuff we always talk about when we talk about these studies, right? Acute MI, heart failure hospitalizations, um, strokes, and composite major cardiac events, basically, MESAs, as we've talked about in this podcast, a trillion times, okay? And then there's a bunch of minor secondary outcomes type stuff, okay? And not to bore you with the entire analysis, because obviously you're looking at a cohort study, it's not a randomized control trial, um, but the main outcomes basically said everything pretty much performed identical, right? So the calibrated p-value on acute MIs in ACEs and ARBs, totally about equal, right? The hazard ratio of 1.11, but cross the but cross the uh, uh, the confidence interval cross one, so uh, completely non-statistically significant. Major cardiac events, similar, almost no no statistical significance. Heart failure, stroke, again, exactly equal between the two, which is what we've seen in a lot of other head-to-head trials, right? But and here is the big practice changer for me, right? ARBs, ARBs, had significantly fewer side effects in a key in a couple of key really important factors, right? The two that we would expect to see, coughs and angioedema, right? And angioedema by a hazard ratio of 3.5 increase, the cough was only 1.3. So I was actually surprised that there wasn't as much cough as there was angioedema um, with the ACE inhibitors that were reported um, in these these data sets. Um, Significantly higher with ACE inhibitors and ARBs. So ARBs, significantly more well-tolerated in those two side effects. The other p-values that were all interestingly affected, right, um, abnormal weight gain and weight loss. So the extremes with ACE inhibitors, both statistically significant. Acute pancreatitis, significantly worse with ACE inhibitors, which is not a commonly reported side effect of ACE inhibitors. And then the other thing was acute GI bleeds were far more likely in ACE inhibitors than in ARBs. Um, There were a bunch of other ones that the p-values were really, really, really significantly worse um, with ACE inhibitors. But when they actually did the comparison trials and they kind of calibrated for all the other factors, they lost their statistical significance, right? Because again, this is not a head-to-head. They don't randomize. They basically just have these two data sets and then they just show the outcomes. And so after they calibrate and then they kind of uh, randomize basically on the back end, right? They calibrate the hazard ratio. Um, a lot of these statistical significance for all the other side effects. But what were the other side effects? Um, worsening, G- worsening diarrhea, worsening dementia, uh, worsening episodes of acute renal failure, worsening hyponatremia, worsening hypotension, worsening nausea, 
um, worsening, uh, more likely to have rash, more uh, more likely to have vertigo, more likely to have vomiting. Almost every single risk was worse when it came to ACEs compared to ARBs. Uh, actually, sorry, vomiting was worse with ARBs. I take that back, but not statistically significant. And so you have all of these symptoms. You have all of these things that are worse with ARBs and and or, or worse that are worse with ACE inhibitors, but are better with ARBs. And so again, the, the main four were angioedema and cough, not surprising, but acute pancreatitis and GI bleed, even after they did randomize, even after they kind of pseudo-randomized them and comparative, compared all the uh, the baseline um, and, and comorbid, uh, comorbid conditions, those four still persisted. So what's the take home here? I have historically always used lisinopril as my starting blood pressure agent, uh, right? Uh, ACE inhibitors have, have always been well tolerated. They're always first line, as we said um, with all the guidelines. But I've always started lisinopril and then I've always said, well, if you have issues with lisinopril, then we'll switch over to an ARB. But this study adds to the list of adds to the list of ongoing support for why are we even starting with ACE inhibitors? Why don't we start with ARBs since patients are far less likely to get any side effect um, from an ARB that they wouldn't get with an ACE inhibitor? Why don't we start with ARBs? So I'm not sure if you're just smarter than me out there and maybe you've been starting ARBs and not ACE inhibitors for a long time, but this is actually a practice-changing study for me. Um, there, based on this uh, and, and other data, um, the evidence is mounting that says, don't bother with lisinopril, just start losartan, right? Just start one of your ARBs instead, um, assuming that you've got good availability, you've got good coverage for these, that, that you're able to find cheap generics, um, and internationally that should not be a concern. But I think that this, this um, is going to be practice-changing for me where I think that this has finally been the, the final nail in the coffin that I've been thinking this for a while. Well, yeah, well, I'm starting lisinopril and then I'll switch to AR, uh, I'll switch to losartan if they have a cough or angioedema. I, I think this is gonna be the final the final proof that just says like, hey, don't be an idiot, just start with losartan. Um, and if you are starting with an ARB instead of an ACE inhibitor, great, pat yourself on the back. You've been probably practicing kind of the optimized medicine just to avoid even talking about the cough, even talking about the angioedema risk because they are so significantly less, not zero, but a whole lot less with these ARBs. Um, so that's the big take home today. Uh, there's another study that came out recently um, that I just wanted to touch on very, very, very briefly. Um, let me pull that up here real quick. And this article is actually in the American Journal of Medicine uh, here in September 2020, uh, 2021. Um, and it is the risk of electrolyte disorders, comma, syncope, comma, and falls in patients taking thiazide diuretics, a cross-sectional study. And so they looked at basically 65,000 patients that went to the ER, okay? Emergency department visits, okay? 65,000 patients. And then they looked at, let's see people taking thiazides, including hydrochlorothiazide and chlorothaladone, okay? And most of them were hydrochlorothiazide, but we know that chlorothaladone has more likely, yes, has slightly better blood pressure control based on this data, that it actually controls hypertension better, but has significantly higher rates of side effects such as hyponatremia and falls and lightheadedness, et cetera. And so of these 65,000 patients that they looked at, 8% were thiazide users, okay? So they took 8% of these thiazide users and then they kind of controlled them by, by adjusting the outcomes, uh, basically, uh, you know, matching them to patients 
that were on similar loop diuretics, super, su uh, 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 similar use of loops, similar use of uh, ACE inhibitors or ARBs, similar ages, and kind of to prevent any confounding variables, okay? And patients on thiazide diuretics, HCTZ and chlorthaladone in ER visits were three times more likely to have acute kidney injury, twice as likely, double as likely to have hyponatremia, twice as likely to have hypokalemia, which we don't always talk about a lot with diuretics, with uh, uh, hydrochlorothiazide in particular, three times more likely to have a recent fall, and twice as likely to have a syncopal episode. So in this podcast, right, we just talked about how ACEs and ARBs, let's start with ARBs because they have less side effects, both are really good at preventing major adverse cardiac events, MIs, strokes, etc. This is a study that says, yeah, I mean, second line still remains basically thiazides, calcium channel blockers right there with you. But with your thiazides, you really have to be careful about hyponatremia, hypokalemia, falls, syncope, and acute kidney injury, right? Significantly higher rates, even when you compare them to uh, thiazide users to non-users, even when you compare them for the other adjustments, okay? So very important that yes, those are good management, those are good drugs for the management of blood pressure, but you really just have to be careful. Again, chlorothaladone, I, I love. It, it really works well for hypertension, but you really have to talk about the risks of hypokalemia um, and hyponatremia, specifically hyponatremia, um, syncope and falls, because they do happen quite significantly more with chlorothaladone than hydrochlorothiazide and with diuretics, uh, specifically thiazides, even more so than anything else. So um, hopefully today's re-talk, uh, re um, kind of a, a review of hypertension management was helpful today. Again, having those conversations with patients, being smart about watching for side effects, maybe being smart and just starting ARBs instead of ACEs in the first place, watching diuretics uh, as a second line, um, specifically thiazides, but then making sure that you're following up on BNPs, uh, basic metabolic panels, and that you're having um, really good talks with your patients about potential side effects and what to look out for and what to call you back on. Um, and if they are having those issues, maybe switch calcium channel blockers, et cetera. Um, so hopefully this was a helpful uh, podcast episode today. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week or whenever I get into another one. Uh, reminding you, you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. This has been Dr. Mark List with the Primary Care Podcast. Thanks and have a great week.